Let's get started. Bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 1, Episode 19, What the Eagles and Cookie Sheets Have in Common. Let's get to the podcast! We are taking another short break from the melee side of this podcast. And yes, it is a pretty big part of the podcast. But I have a member of my beloved family on to talk about eagles because that is something that we have in common, as well as some other things which you will hear about as we get into this. But a few housekeeping notes in relation to this particular recording. We recorded it on a on a phone call recording app, which allowed me to just call Pat and we started talking right away and recorded the conversation and that was great. So it sounds like a phone call. If any of you are annoyed by this, you'll just have to deal. I love how it's, how it turned out, how it sounds, and I'm excited to put this out into the world and be proud of it. So there you go. Let's talk about how awesome it was to have Pat on and how excited I am for not just you all to hear it, who may not actually be familiar with me that much or Pat, but also for my family. I know that all of my siblings and my parents are looking forward to hearing this as well. And so without any further ado, let's get to Pat. This Hello. Is being recorded. The uh, that is the recording app saying that we are on a recorded phone call. Hey, hey, it's Jesse. Pat, it's so good to hear your voice. It's so good to hear you. And here I am in the cold in San Antonio, expecting snowfall, which we never have. So we're joined in more than one way. That's. Well, actually, I was going to say that's wonderful, but are you actually looking forward to any snow? All of San Antonio is so excited. They can't stand it. There are so many young people that have never even seen snow. And I'm sure this is the kind of snowfall where it'll fall for maybe an hour at the most and then maybe not even stick to the ground, or are you expecting any to actually stick and and lay we're expecting real snow, real snow, maybe from an inch to three inches or inch and a half to three inches. So that's real snow. That's enough to make a snowman. Yeah. Already, uh, I guess Monday is President's Day, but a lot of things were open and everything is now closed. Vaccinations are canceled and actually... That's a good thing because we will likely have freezing rain, either snow that freezes the highway, and we have a lot of elevated highways here, and we're not really prepared for snow, so probably things will be slippery, and we're looking at three days straight where it does not go above freezing. Wow, and And yes, that does make a big difference for how fast the roads improve when it's below freezing for that long it may take all of that time for the snow to start to wear off of 
at least back roads. Maybe they'll try and treat the highways. But like you said, since San Antonio is not often thinking about snowfall, even in the wintertime, there's only so much that you can do when it all of a sudden it's forecasted. Well, we have dirt, so they can put dirt on the highways. Our city has no snow removal equipment because it doesn't snow here. Right. We had a big we had a big snow in 1985, I believe. And uh they just didn't even try to clear the highways. We had 13 inches. So Wait. they just had to close the highways. That is incredible. 13 inches? Is that what you said? We had 13 inches. The record before that was 4.7 inches in 1949 when my husband was seven years old and he remembered that snowfall. So we definitely were not ready to handle that. (laughs) Certainly not. So, Pat, I just wanted to clarify with you. Do you want to start officially recording at a certain time of this phone call or do you want to carry on and we can just start we can just start introducing ourselves whatever you want to do is fine you're in charge (laughs) oh that's very nice of you to say that i appreciate that well then yeah i might try to i can i can do all kinds of stuff with the audio so i can take that story about the snowfall and stick it somewhere at the end or we can even cut it all together but i love hearing about stuff like that so why don't we go ahead and just introduce ourselves for a little bit and contextualize. Okay, hold on just a minute. Yep. I'm, I'm podcasting with my cousin, Jesse. So yeah, I just want to show you what happens when you put olive oil in the refrigerator. What happens? It solidifies. Did you know olive oil solidifies if you put it in the refrigerator? I did not know that. I don't know the freezing point for olive oil, though, I'll be honest. Well, I, Tom always leaves the oil out, and then I thought maybe it was going to go bad, so I bought my own bottle of olive oil and put it in the refrigerator, and he keeps taking it out of the refrigerator. So now he's <laughs> proving to me that I'm wrong by having it in the refrigerator because it's solidified. Yeah, it's not as useful when it's just a, an entire block of material <laughs> and it won't come out of the bottle. <laughs> so anyway, that tells you a lot about my life. Yes, it does. But uh, and we're not um, we're not like the the on the technical level of pure cousins. What my mom and you are are the real og cousins but you are counted as a dear member of our family even if there's a little bit of distance between the two of us and we have missed you of course so much while we've been in the pandemic side of things um well i've been missing you and it's been so fun to be able to chat about football absolutely we've been going back and forth during the Eagle season, as well as other, you know, the group text with the rest of the family. And it hasn't been as much fun to do this year because of how poorly the Eagle season went. But I know that you're not just, you're not just an Eagles fan. You're actually a fan first of Alabama. Is that correct? Well, I have to say I'm a big Alabama fan, but that's college football. So my professional football fan is with the Eagles, which my 
son cannot believe that I have deserted the Dallas Cowboys. Happily so. But I'm starting to think that Lori is just as bad as Jerry Jones, and it disturbs me. There have been a lot of decisions made in the Eagles organization in the past 12 months or so that have left me scratching my head. I, I feel like it's been such a, an interesting but 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 confusing time because this is sort of the – it's the sort of thing that almost any team that plays very well or even wins a championship ends up going through. We all remember – the Chicago Bulls and their big, like, you know, winning six championships and all of those, all those sort of things. But when they were done, it's, it all sort of fell apart. It didn't end on like the best note that it could have, even if they did win the last season, the winning the sixth ring afterwards, almost all the stars of the Bulls left or, or were traded or, or cut from the organization. And it was, it, they've never even gotten close back to the NBA finals. It seems like since. So what I'm trying to say with all of that is with the Eagles, they get to a certain point, they're a really good team, but then all kinds of factors change that such as an aging roster, the core players of the team in particular aging and getting older past their primes. And then the city itself, how the fans have sort of affected not in the, like the a major way, but in their own way, affected the decisions of the organization and the 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 mood of the team. You could say, because every every football player will say, "Oh, I don't really pay attention to the outside noise." No, I'm I'm very right. I'm a very focused person. But then you know, of course they are, especially the younger players, like the ones that grew up on social media. Of course they see, they they hear, they see. So. And there's and there's more factors. Money also has a lot to do with it, and contracts, and and making decisions on how to replace players because nobody wants to be replaced, but that's what happens every single day in the NFL. So, what has your perception been of the Eagles this season and off season so far? Well, I would say uh, first of all, the Eagles sell so quickly. Most teams. You know, maybe they have championship or close to championship and they have a few years and then they bomb, but it just feels like the Eagles went nosedive, kind of hanging on by their fingernails and then just took a deep dive. And I'm going to go back a little bit uh, and talk about the Spurs because the Spurs got Tim Duncan. He was the franchise, the owner which there was a group of owners, but there was a major owner named Peter Holt. And they got Popovich, or uh, I'm not sure if Popovich was the coach when they drafted Duncan, but it was Tim Duncan's team. They got all the players that Duncan wanted. Whatever Duncan wanted, they did. Duncan wanted uh, Becky Hammond, the female coach. They got Becky Hammond. So the Spurs organization and how they've drafted and how they included uh, David Robinson and especially Tim Duncan really led to them being the great team. Duncan even took less of the salary so that they could pay more to the other players and get them. 
And that's such a big contrast to Carson Wentz when it doesn't feel like he had as much input into what was going on with the team. So, so my first thought is, what was the relationship with Wentz coming onto the team? You know, I became a fan, kind of a Johnny-come-lately fan, when the uh, Nick Foles was playing, and part of my interest was you all, and part of my interest was because Nick Foles was from Austin, and I know his high school really well, and just made me a Nick Foles fan. And Drew Brees went to school there too, and now my grand, uh, my friend's grandson, goes there, and he's an awesome player. So, I didn't get to see the great Carson Wentz era that you always feasted on and talked about him coming back. So, what was it like when they first got Carson, and how much input did he have into the team? It seemed like at first. Carson was the one of the two most wanted quarterbacks in the 2016 draft. It was him and Jared Goff. So we okay. had a a pretty poor season the season beforehand in 2015 led by Chip Kelly who was subsequently fired and the Eagles decided to hire Doug Peterson as the head coach. And Howie Roseman was in the front office while Chip Kelly was there, but had sort of been exiled, you might say, to like a a back room of not making any legitimate decisions. But he was in the building before Chip Kelly was hired as a head coach in 2013 and after Chip Kelly was fired after the 2015 season. So, he gets put back into a position of general manager. Doug Peterson is hired as the head coach. And one of their things that they came out with pretty quickly was we want to build uh, this franchise around a franchise quarterback. And so we had the, I believe it was the eighth overall pick, something like that in the 2016 Uh draft. And we knew that obviously we wouldn't be able to get Jared Goff or Carson Wentz at the eighth spot, but Howie Roseman made some good trades or made a good trade, I should say, leaping all the way up to number two overall, right behind the Los Angeles Rams who took Jared Goff and then we took Carson Wentz at pick number two overall. And we uh-huh. were all we were all very excited because we thought Carson Wentz is not like an he's not from the the top tier of college football teams. He's not from Alabama or from Clemson or from PSU or, or, or Ohio state, Michigan. He's not from any of those places, but the way that he plays and his size and his strength would lend himself to being a potentially very good quarterback in the NFL. But in his rookie season, things did not really go so well. It was in the 2016 season that he started all 16 games and we went six and nine, or wait, no, seven and nine, excuse me. Uh, we we went below 500, and we oh. lost at least at least seven or eight games by less than a touchdown. So we lost a bunch of close games, and the mood around the city was, 
this team seems to be only a few steps away. Wentz is playing as well as a rookie can play. Nothing solid or spectacular, but is first of all staying healthy, so that's a good thing. And secondly, seems to be seems to be understanding the game better as the year went along. Going into the 2017 season, everybody was optimistic because during the 2017 offseason, we didn't draft particularly well, especially in hindsight, but there were we did make some good free agent acquisitions and also traded for a few players as well leading up to that season, bringing on players like Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt, who would later be really big contributors for the team. But when we started off the 2017 season, it was against the, well, they were the Washington Redskins at the time. Did you get it? The Washington football team. Right. And it was an explosion of offense. And Carson Wentz looked like an MVP candidate from the very first game. We were all like, oh, my goodness. Well, we'll see for the next game. But the next game, it was it was the same sort of thing. He plays well. He throws for, like, at least three touchdowns, something to that effect. And we're all going, okay, we're pinching ourselves now out of excitement. And then the Giants game happened where we got that 61-yard field goal from Jake Elliott, right? And everybody is, like, running on the field freaking out. So that led to a, a nine game win streak I think it was and so Carson Wentz being in the center of all that looking like an MVP candidate approaching the record for single season stats for most that you can have you know he was throwing for a lot of touchdowns he was hardly throwing any interceptions getting a a good amount of yards each game looking like a true MVP candidate and then he tears his ACL and that's when that's like the first chink in the armor that we've seen leading up to today that uh-huh. just completely fallen off the rails. But when when we were in that nine-game window, winning every single game, having some fun touchdown celebrations, playing loose, playing with that feeling of, oh, we have nothing to lose, and the, the city of Philadelphia was so excited and, and hopeful and optimistic of, hey, we're good now. And this guy uh-huh. is only in his second year. We have no, you have nowhere to go but up for the next 10 years. Easy. And it's just incredible to think, looking back now, how how much of a mirage that was in a way, in a sense, because it, it did not turn out to be that way ever since. Did he have a good offensive line in that early year when he came? What do you, sorry, say, say that again? What did you mean line? Say, did he have a did he have quarterback protection in his early years? Because that's been such a big problem this past year. I just wondered if he had a little better protection at that time. Yes, at that time he did. We In the 2016 season, yes, that's when we brought on Brandon Brooks, who was the best guard available in that 2016 leading up to the 2016 season he was the best guard available on on the free agent market and Mm -hmm. Lane Johnson had already been on the team Jason Kelsey was already on the team and Jason Peters as well so we kind of mixed things around in the left guard position sometimes it was Uh Sam Malu sometimes it was Halo Kavati Vitae but the point is, is that with four really good offensive linemen and a fifth 
so-so offensive lineman. That was that was like a top 10 unit in 2016. And in 2017, we were at least top five, if not like top two, competing with the like Cowboys. A, yeah, a huge difference in the team this year. First of all, he's had a bunch of in, injuries, so he needs to be protected even more. But such a difference in not having the protection that you need for the quarterback. And I see that as a huge problem. Uh, it, it really does make a difference to most NFL fans. I think we we understand that the offensive line and defensive line, despite never really touching the football ever or almost ever, really does have an impact on how the game ends up turning around. Do you need skill position players? Absolutely. But you and I would have watched the Super Bowl that happened a few weeks ago where Tom Brady is protected for the most part, able to stand in the pocket, make throws that he needs to make to his to his wide receiver, running back, tight end players, contrasting with Patrick Mahomes, who is behind a a few backups on the Chiefs offensive line. They did not have their starters for the Super Bowl for either tackle position. So the two tackles were backups at the very least. And obviously he had about as bad of a game as he's ever had in his life in the Super Bowl. So it really does make a huge difference. Even if you have a spectacular quarterback, a spectacular wide receiver core and tight end and Travis, Kelsey and everything, it still didn't end up mattering because the offensive line was and there's really no other way to put it they were abysmal well what i'm hearing here regarding dallas is dallas has all the pieces they need that just has a quarterback that's injured and when you're looking at philadelphia they're not in that good a situation because they don't have protection for the quarterback and they have other pieces that are missing as well. So I guess it all begs the question of can Carson Wentz do better with a team where he's got more protection and more pieces? So how much is Carson and how much is the team? And I think it's interesting because maybe before the Super Bowl, people were more willing to say, well, you know, Hertz came in and he had a couple of good games and people played well. I think probably the other teams didn't prepare as well as they might have. But now I think you have to look at Mahomes and say he didn't have what he needed around him. Could that be the case with Carson Wentz? So what do you think? It's a little bit of it's a little bit of both honestly because emotions matter even in even in the NFL too, right? Mm-hmm. Because Right. If you don't believe, if the team doesn't believe in their quarterback, you can you can potentially scrape by a few wins by being better that day where you go against mm-hmm. a, maybe on paper a superior opponent, but maybe the other team is sort of sleeping on you a little bit. Maybe they didn't prepare for you as well. Maybe they didn't have a good week of practice leading up and subsequently, or sorry, contrast to your team who maybe did have a good week of practice and are better prepared and are emotionally charged up to win the day. And games are lost and won that way occasionally, but you, then you average back 
you know, back to like a, a little bit more of a regular expectation, which is why when Jalen Hurts first came in for Carson Wentz, you saw the team respond just because they thought, we don't know if Jalen Hurts is he going to play spectacular or will he play poorly? We don't know, but he's here, so let's make the best of it. There's that jolt of energy. Mm-hmm. and of I course, think it's another part, you know, I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have drafted him, but since I'm an Alabama fan, I got him. I got to see him play three years at Alabama. Of course, the last year, Chua mostly played, but he came in and saved the day on the SEC championship game where he came in at the uh, latter part of the game and brought them back for an enormous win. And he's done that previously. Um, But Jalen has a personality that the other players really like him and respond to him. And so I think that probably it was there's a new quarterback, but also that Jalen's personality would have been very supportive and encouraging to all the other players. And so I'm wondering with Wentz, in the early days, was it the excitement of the whole team or did he show a really important level of leadership working with his players? It seemed at first as if he was more of a of that leader type personality that you're, that you're referring to, because mm-hmm. I remember in the, in the off season leading up to the 2017 championship season, I remember clearly that he had all of the skill position, wide receiver tight tight end players, running backs come out to mm-hmm. North Dakota, to his home, to, to do routes and, and play, to throw, to get, sort of like that chemistry down and to hang out and be people around each other as well. And that didn't happen after that season ended, like in the 2018 off season leading up to the 2018 season, it didn't happen. You could say that maybe it was because he was rehabbing his knee after tearing his ACL Uh that that might have been like that excuse, but maybe there's that, that feeling amongst the, his teammates where they're going, oh, so as soon as something's going bad for you, you just sort of disappear, huh? And maybe maybe that does seem to be the case with Carson, where from what I can tell, it seemed as if instead of going outward with his emotions and saying either this is great or this is not great, he just sort of seemed to go inside and not uh-huh. connect as well with the other teammates. Well, what I'm reading is that Jalen Hurts is having receivers come down to Houston mm-hmm. and work with them, but that I read that Carson Wentz had done the same thing. So I was interested in that and kind of interested to see where in the progression of things the relationship with his players seems to have dropped off. And I don't know how he handled Foles being in the spotlight. I know that uh, Jalen Hurts has only exemplary things to say about Carson and how much Carson helped him and how much Carson was being positive about the team. And I will tell you that you will never hear anything negative out of Jalen Hurts' mouth. And 
he he's amazing that way and he has he got um overtaken by Chua after he was the SEC player of the year, not just quarterback, but player of the year his freshman year and got beat out and he was still the great cheerleader and wanted his team to win and was able to put whatever feelings about himself aside though he's for sure a competitor and then going to Oklahoma and having to win that position but then coming into the Eagles well of course Oklahoma and Alabama had better pieces around him and I'm going to kind of jump ideas here but I think of him a little bit like Foles where Foles came in and the team was able to work around Foles and to his strengths and could adjust and I think where Jalen has played the teams have been able to do that so I'm kind of wondering whoever the uh, quarterback is, are the other players going to be strong enough that they can adjust to what the quarterback's strengths are? So what do you think uh, going forward about the other players that we're going to be able to get? I think that this team is going to look very different in the coming months. I mm-hmm. When the official calendar year of the NFL kicks off, They there are a certain amount of things in terms of money that has to happen. Like, you get paid just for being on the roster at certain times of the year, depending on the player's contract. So, you start to see activity pick up, players being cut or signed. Well, of course, there is the free agency period where you hear about all these deals going through, and that's exciting. It, but anyway, the the whole of that is I don't know when that starts exactly, but I I do feel like out of all the possible times to admit that it's time to reset and sort of start over with most of the players that are on this roster mm-hmm. probably need to move on in some capacity, however you do that, trading or just outright releasing. I think the what's really important here, you have a new coaching staff, and the new head coach, Nick Sirianni, if he is of the same mindset as Frank Reich, who was the, sorry, he, Frank Reich is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator there. So Uh they at least have a similar philosophy. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to work together. Frank Reich, one of the things that he said while he was still with the Eagles talking about Nick Foles, coming in as the backup to Carson Wentz after Carson Wentz was injured, Frank Reich said, we want to play the next strengths. We want Foles to be comfortable in the backup role and out there uh-huh. on the field making plays. And I don't know what the disconnect was there when Carson came back. Of course, Frank Reich, by the way, after the 2017 season, after we won the Super Bowl, he that's when he left to – be the head coach of the Colts. So 2018 and on, we were mm-hmm. with another offensive coordinator. But anyway, the point is, is that if Frank Reich, one of his things is to adjust to the quarterback, 
then I feel like Nick Sirianni will probably be of the same mind or at least of the similar mind of wanting to say, hey, maybe we don't have a top five super crazy talented quarterback in Philadelphia. Maybe we don't. And the answer is very likely yes. It it doesn't seem like Jalen Hurts will be a top five quarterback and Carson returning to that level doesn't seem possible. But whoever Mm -hmm. we end up rolling out, if Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff say we're going to do everything that we can to make the pieces around him and our scheme fit the strengths and weaknesses of that quarterback, then the players will go along because they all want to make money and be in the NFL and have jobs. So they probably will need to be of a average wise, a younger age, newer players, a, a team of a bunch of veterans, will have a harder time adjusting to a new philosophy just because they've, they've played long enough in the NFL. Sure. That maybe perhaps that is the case. But the, this team as it stands now, it probably looks different, at least in my opinion. It probably looks a lot different by the time we get to the end of August. And if that is true, I think we will be able to adjust. If it's similar as the team is now at the end of August going into the season, I don't know how quickly that will happen. It may take a whole season to change that philosophy. And and that is normal for new coaches, for a new philosophy, a new coaching staff to sort of settle in. The first year, you almost always write off. But we're talking about Philadelphia. It's just like in other high-level, high-market football towns, Chicago and New York City. And then for the, the collegiate level, Ohio State and Alabama, there are very high expectations for all those football towns. And they're expected to win the championship every year or they're a failure. <laughs> right. And especially Alabama. That's yep, true with absolutely. Alabama. And then look at Nick, Nick Saban gets a whole new coaching staff from time to time and loses lots of coaches. And he mentors the coaches just as strongly as he mentors the players. He's happy for them when they move up. He helps them and advises them on their next job and looks forward to a new coaching staff because every coach that comes in, he learns from. So what new thing am I going to learn from the next group and how am I going to keep changing to stay ahead? So, but also Nick gets to choose all his players and I'm wondering Oftentimes when a new coach comes in, it's not like Urban Meyer's going to Jacksonville where he gets to choose everything off the bat, that maybe the new coach is kind of stuck with what he has and has to work toward some change. But how much is the owner going to let the new coach decide how things go, or is he going to let Howie Rosen call the shots that affect the job the coach is trying to do. And I I feel that the head coach should have more say in general. In the NFL, I feel like it's only a handful of teams that allow the coach to have the final say, aside from the owner, but the final Uh say on roster decisions. Bill Belichick comes to mind first. He is the manager as well as the head coach for the Patriots. So that's an easy example, but I think more often right. it's 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 a it's a it's a three-way power st- 
struggle of the owner who has the final say, but is the farthest removed from the field. The head coach who is closest to the field, but has the least amount of control. And then the general manager who seems useless sometimes to me, but is also very important because of making contracts work, salary cap work, and also drafting trades, all that stuff. I Well, maybe they're uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff that goes on that puffs their job out a little more than what we see. That's true. So I'm not trying to discredit a general manager from a, from a football mm-hmm. organization. It can work. It does work. Um, the I don't remember rightly who the Chiefs general manager is, but they have one, and they won the Super Bowl last year. They went and got sure. Patrick Mahomes in the 15th pick of the 2018 draft, something like that, and made some great signings of bringing in players and keeping great players around. You know, that, that is important, but I feel that Howie Roseman has made a very long resume in Philadelphia, right? He's been involved with the team in some capacity since the end of the 2000s. So he's been here for over 10 years and been uh-huh. a general manager for at least at least five of those years, if not more, and has has not shown enough to me that he was worth keeping around for this new cycle of a head coach. If we were going to fire Doug Peterson, which we did, my opinion was we need to fire Howie Roseman too. Go find a general manager who can make smarter draft picks than what Howie Roseman's history of draft picks are. I guarantee you, or no, that's, I can't guarantee that. I would, I would bet, if I were a betting man, that if Howie Roseman had been fired in this offseason, he still wouldn't have mm-hmm. a job as a general manager elsewhere. That's my opinion. And well, I think that speaks point. to I think that speaks to that he's not as good of a general manager as he either was or maybe he never was. I don't know because we don't know the behind the scenes of the organization, but from what we can tell, from what we read, from what reports say, Howie Roseman is not a good drafter. He's a great person for contracts and salary cap and mm-hmm. trades. He's very good with making trades. But when it comes to picking a draft pick, making a good draft pick, picking the right player within a skill position, like picking DK Metcalf instead of picking J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, picking Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen Rager, he's not the right person for that job. So I get nervous because the draft is its extremely important to maintain a good football team. So do you think that Peterson leaving could have been because of Roseman more than because of Wentz? Did you say Andy Reid or Doug Peterson? Sorry. No, I say, uh, do you think Doug Peterson's exit could have been more about Howie Roseman than it was with Wentz? That maybe Peterson just couldn't live with Roseman? I think that was at least part of it. I think that uh, if what we have heard after Peterson was fired, if, if what we heard was true, where he was supposedly tired of being told what to do all the time, that he didn't have enough control of even of the even of game planning decisions, which should never be a general manager job, and should hardly ever be a, an owner job. Honestly, the owner perspective is hire the right person to do that for you. But anyway, 
if if those reports are true, I think that Doug Peterson was happy to call it quits with the Eagles because what he wanted to do, he couldn't do. I don't think anybody wants to be in a job position where they're expected to perform and perform well, but they can't have control and autonomy of how it's done. Well, now, I've heard that they only hire coaches that have never been head coaches before, or they hire a head coach but with no head coach experience. Are they going to do the same thing with Sirianni and call his plays, or are they going to let him behave like a head coach should be able to behave? I think at least at first this year, they'll – I anticipate that they're going to start off with a long leash and because they'll just they'll just tell everybody else, hey, look, first year. I mean, what are you going to say? But maybe they do start off with a tight leash. I'm only speculating here, but I feel like maybe they want to – Howie Roseman especially wants to have the team go how he envisions it right from the mm-hmm. get-go as compared to saying, well, you know what, you can do your own thing. I'll wait for you to mess up, and then I'll come and fix it for you. Maybe Sirianni turns out and we'll find this out because there have been head coaching hires where you say that person is literally just a just a conduit of the owner or of the general manager. We think of Jason Garrett first when you think of somebody like that who I don't think anybody believed that Jason Garrett made all the decisions or helped contribute to those decisions of the Cowboys without also saying, look, he probably was just a yes man to Jerry Jones, at least in a lot of decisions. He's well, a Jerry talented Jones coach, is, but not – sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Jer- Jerry Jones is widely disliked in this part of the world because he can't turn over any decision-making below him, and it hurts the team. So I see the same thing in the Eagles organization. We're starting to see signs of it. Yes, absolutely. It seems as if the that Jeffrey Laurie, the owner, and Howie Roseman, the general manager, are interested in having more control of what happens closer to the field than in times past. And this is the sort of thing where either Laurie has to go through a couple of really bad seasons and see how wrong that is, or this will happen until the team sells and a new owner comes in. Hopefully we'll get lucky. But since Laurie has been the owner of the Eagles since the early 90s, I think it was, or the mid-90s at the latest, he's been on it, He's owned the team for over 25 years. I know that. So it was some, somewhere in those early 90s where he purchased the team. He has made enough good decisions leading up to today that I'm willing or – I'm not going to say right away that this season is going to be a complete write-off and and say that the next 5, 10, 15 seasons also should be written off. I don't want to get to that point yet, but all it takes is a few more seasons like the one we had this past season where it's it's bad and everything is chaotic and we con- consistently fire other people in the organization to shift the blame and the one common donator is Jeffrey Laurie. And and actually in a special case for the Eagles specifically, also Howie Roseman, because he has been 
in the front office for 10 plus years. It's incredible to think that he's lasted this long, in my own opinion. Well, I think it's interesting that he had an office in the back earlier on when Carson's good days and then kind of came out and did more. He needs to go to the back office again. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying, uh, but to and clarify, can... sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Thank you. Uh, to, to clarify, uh, Howie Roseman was sort of expelled to the back of the of the of the front office when Chip Kelly was briefly made the general manager of the team as well as the head coach. There were two or or maybe just one seasons where that was the case, and then once Chip Kelly was fired, Jeffrey Lurie put him back into the general manager position. We drafted Carson Wentz, but it seemed like that first. I think what you're saying still rings true. At first, it seemed like Howie Roseman was was letting Doug Peterson make those decisions, or or mm-hmm. listening to Doug Peterson more and not overriding him as much. But then over time, started to say, "I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to be the one to make the final decision." Or Jeffrey Lurie's doing the same thing. I don't care what Howie says. I don't care what Doug says. What I say goes. I am the owner of the team after all. So let's, we've been dancing around. Does Carson Wentz get traded? How does that affect going forward? Does he not get traded? And how does that affect going forward? Let's start with him not being traded. If that is true, if Carson Wentz is not traded, that would be a surprise. I think most of us assume that Carson Wentz gets traded, so we'll spend a little bit more time on that. But I think that if if he doesn't get traded, in my mind, it's, it has to be Jalen Hurts being traded instead. I just can't see anymore the possibility of Carson Wentz putting up with a competent backup in the quarterback room, a competent player in general, because I view Jalen Hurts as more than just a backup player. We don't know his true ceiling yet, but even in the games that he played last year, Jalen Hurts, to me, looked like a rookie. He didn't look like a, a, a perennial bottom five quarterback or, or a really bad starter. There could be potential there. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But I would, I would think that you can't have both of them here. So the obvious candidate to be traded right now is Wentz, and it seems like it's going to happen that way. But what do you think if Carson Wentz happens to stay, if he doesn't get traded? Well, the question is, if you trade him, then who's your backup quarterback? Ooh, either is like a, a sixth-round draft Carson... pick or you bring in like a Joe Flacco, like a really, really twilight career-level quarterback. That's not threatening to Carson because they're at the end of their career as opposed to the beginning of their career. Right. Exactly. I also am speculating on whether or not we'll be getting a first round for Carson Wentz like the Eagles front office seems to think that they're going to get for trading him. To make it clear to anybody who doesn't know, Carson Wentz's contract is not very friendly on on a salary cap. It's necessary as a top-level quarterback, but what we all know to be true is Carson Wentz has not played like a top-level quarterback. 
So the challenge of trading Wentz is not so much what you are giving up to get him. It's literally what you get when you get him because you're getting the player and also the bad contract. Now, I know that depending on the trade, you actually may not get the entire contract put into your lap. Maybe some of it stays back with the Eagles or all of it stays back with the Eagles. That would make Carson Wentz much more tradable if, if you, the Eagles, told another team, hey, I will keep his contract, just get him out of here and give me like a decent draft pick and, and we'll be good. But then that limits the Eagles as well. And they know this. That limits them because they would still be paying a top-level quarterback, quote-unquote, because that's what the contract says. The contract says, uh-huh. hey, we're paying a top-level quarterback here, even if that's not actually true. And that limits what you can do for other positions severely. So do you think that the Eagles are still just jockeying with the other teams and trying to get a better deal, and that's why things are going slowly? Yeah, I do think that's the reason why. Because it's not a given that Carson's going to perform where he goes. So if Mm -hmm. I were the other team, I would want a really good deal because I'm picking up that risk. And that's also assuming that the other team, whatever team that ends up being, they'll have decided not only do we want Blitz, but we don't want another option like the draft or another quarterback on the trade market like Deshaun Watson, for instance, although I don't know if Watson will actually be traded, or a free agent quarterback, because there will be free agent quarterbacks in this offseason. I don't know who off the top of my head, but that when you trade for a player, it really says what the team trading for that player thinks about him. If somebody like mm-hmm. the Colts, a lot of people say that the Colts are a front-running team to trade for Wentz, right? The Colts I would have think decided, so. Yeah, the Colts will have decided they don't want to pursue a quarterback any other way that they could, either through the draft or free agency or through trading, uh, like for a different quarterback, specifically Wentz. That would be – that says a lot to me, and I don't think that any team is actually on that level of saying, we will do whatever we can to get Wentz. In my mind, everybody's saying, look, we'll trade for Wentz, but we're not going to trade for him – because we that's that's our favorite option. We're trading for him because if you're going to give him away for a less cost, we'll take a flyer, you know. Yeah, we and, want a good we'll deal. We can do something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They want a good deal too. And the Eagles don't want to give up a good deal, or they're just trying to get the best they can get. And so that's why it's so hard to to know for certain what is going to be agreeable to the Eagles. Maybe someone offers them a first-round draft pick for Carson Wentz, but they say, keep the contract, give me the player. Or maybe a team Uh comes up to them and says, we will trade you like a fourth-round draft pick, but take his contract. It can just happen a variety of different ways, and we're not going to – we're just not going to know. So – I think that he does get traded. I do think that Carson Wentz ends up being traded. And we we roll with Jalen Hurts for this season. That's my that's my opinion. That's what I see happening. 
Okay, so Wentz gets traded. Who do you draft in your number six position that you tanked a game to get? <laughs> We're not the first team to do that, by the way. So well, you know what? I was no, I didn't think that was necessarily a bad thing. No, so you're I, gonna I wasn't win. mad about it either. And I thought the difference between six and nine could be huge, and you're going to go out there and win so the Giants can get in? There's no reason, literally no reason to win that game. So not not that you're forfeiting, but playing different, treating it like a preseason game. A lot of football teams that don't make it to the playoffs treat the last game of the year like a preseason game where they'll play mm-hmm. backup players, right? They sat players like Fletcher Cox leading up to that game, and they pulled Jalen Hurts out halfway through to put Nate Sudfeld in. So that's what it was to me. It, they were treating it like a preseason game and going, look, if we lose, we will not be mad at all. If we win, that'll mean we feel good about our backups that are playing, about Nate Sudfeld, other players, because they played well enough to beat a team that was trying to win to make it to the playoffs. Well, it could have been a definitive, are we going to keep Nate or not? Right. And I think that it seems as if they will. They're, they always, <laughs> they always, whenever anybody asks, they, the the coach or the, or Howie, the general manager, always speak very highly of Nate Sudfeld. So <laughs> it looks like that'll be a yes. <laughs> well, maybe they want to trade him, so they have to speak highly of him. <laughs> I'm going to let you go play quarterback for the Eagles, and you won't do worse than Nate said Nate did. And I don't even oh. know how good a football player you are. <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot worse. I think a lot worse than Nate Sudfeld. Even even the backup players in the NFL are like the literal cream of the crop out of the rest of the mm-hmm. humans on this planet. Athletes are are so so talented. It's just crazy to me how a top-level athlete makes the average athlete look like a normal human being. It is very odd to me that uh, right. that, that dichotomy still exists. But anyway, I'm I'm thinking that Carson Wentz gets traded and we roll with Jalen Hurts. And if we have another bad season, that won't really bother me because we can hopefully continue to build through the draft. It just comes back to Howie Roseman not drafting very well. So I don't really – I don't really feel great in a lot of ways, but I am still going to be an Eagles fan at the end of the day. Go Birds. There's always next year. I'll just keep hanging on to that until things turn around, however it ends up happening. Well, you know it's a building year, so you don't have a huge expectation. But what do you draft at number six? Is he going to draft a quarterback? Or does it depend yes, who's and available? Thank you. thank you for reminding me. I would say draft a lineman, either offensive or defensive lineman. My heart says go for somebody like the wide receiver out of, um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. What team, what team does? Smith or yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle or uh, Jamar, whatever his last name is. The Just get another choice. wide receiver, but it's it's it, it would not be a wise decision to draft a wide receiver in the first round of the draft two years in a row. It's it's not a, I don't think it's a it's a good advisable decision. I think that going for an offensive lineman that you like or a defensive lineman that you like is a better idea because we do 
have areas of need on the offensive and defensive line. And the offensive line in particular, you saw, everybody saw how poorly the Eagles offensive line played this year because of injuries. And, and also how poorly because, Kansas City played. Yes. Yeah, right. So I wouldn't and, be at all uh, opposed to getting protection for the quarterback with a high-level pick, even though it's not as sexy as Smitty or one of the other ones. Yeah. I do have a prejudice, though, and that is that the Eagles never draft Alabama players. Their last 93 picks have not been any Alabama players. Alabama has put 90 players into the draft while um, the Eagles have not chosen from Alabama 93 times. And one thing about Alabama players is they come ready to play right out the gate when they get to the NFL. And I don't know how many players they draft from the other cream teams, but that would mean a lot to me. And then as a fan, it's fun for me to see the Alabama player play for the Eagles because I know who's good and I've watched them and I want to see their careers bloom. And one reason I really like Hertz because he was so amazing in character and what he did at Alabama and how he handled, he stayed his uh, fourth year, was it his third year? After Tua took over, Coach Saban asked him to stay for another year, Coach Saban got him a really good quarterbacks coach, said they would help develop him, helped him decide to go to Oklahoma. And you just got to like him. But they have equally good and likable players, some really top, top players in the offense and defense, offense that would protect the quarterback or defense that would be helping in a big big way. So my prejudice would be toward, you know, picking an Alabama player or two going forward. I would love it if they drafted an Alabama player, especially for you, Pat. I (laughs) don't think I have any knowledge as to why the Eagles have dodged Alabama for so many picks, but I think it might have to do with the isn't there a stereotype in Alabama that players tend to be not driven to the ground, but just that they practice hard, they play hard, that sort of deal? Well, they do practice hard and play hard. And Nick Saban is close to Bill Belichick and used to coach under Bill Belichick. So there could be some kind of a something there that makes Rosen not want to draft from them. I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. But if we if we draft one, chances are it'll be a really good player because a lot of Alabama players, their skill levels and, and techniques and and everything transfer well to the NFL. Well anyhow, you kinda um, know what you're getting because they've already played against the best teams in college football. Right. That's important as well, the scale level to see how they actually scale up to the closest that you can get to 
an NFL level competition. Not that that it's always the case, but I'm, I'm again, I'm hoping just to see at least a little bit of something go well for the Eagles, even if it's small. But a, a very negative season like we had this year would not be not be fun, in my opinion. So before we before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a few questions, or maybe just one question, since we've we've been on for an hour here. Okay. My mom, who is Therese, for those of you who need to know, she wanted me to make sure that I got a few questions in because she wants to hear you tell these stories. She's very excited about this. So okay. if you'll humor me, my mom wants to know about the cupcakes that you want to oh, make no. for your son. The cupcake story? Yes, my well, mom wants you to tell that story, if you are willing. Uh, this might tell you a few things you don't need to know about me or everything you need to know about me. First of all, I'm very educated academically, but that doesn't always translate to real life. So I always told my friends I'm a really bad cook. And my friends, especially this one friend, her name was Kate. And Kay said, it's not possible for you to be a bad cook. You've had all these chemistry classes. I just don't believe that. So we had this going thing about I'm a really bad cook. So we had a party for our five-year-olds for a Christmas party, and it was a decorate-your-cupcake party. So was at my house. My husband dressed up as Santa, which is a whole nother story. And my job was to make the cupcakes. Well, first of all, I had to call somebody to ask them how to make cupcakes. So I have a lady that helps me. And I called her and she said, look, she said, you know, those little wrappers that you get on cupcakes, you can buy those little wrappers in the grocery store. So I felt very good. Yes, I knew those little wrappers. I could pick that out in the grocery store. So she said, you get those, and then you get a cake mix. And on the back of the cake mix, it'll have directions for how to make cupcakes. So I'm good. I can get a cupcake um, cake mix, get the wrappers. I do that. I mix up the cake mix. And... I get out a cookie sheet and I pour the batter onto the cookie sheet and the they go into the shape of a pancake. And I just thought, this is the most amazing thing that those little misshapen pancaking things are going to rise into the shape of a cupcake. So... Of course, they look like little smushed pancakes, little flat. My friend arrived. She couldn't believe it. She goes, yes, now I believe you can't cook. (laughs) And she ran off to the store to get stuff to make new cupcakes. Well, I thought there's more surface on the top. Little kids don't care if it looks like a cupcake or not. You just tell them it's a cupcake and give them stuff to decorate the cupcakes. So... The kids were fine with it. No one ever said after that that I was a, had to be a good cook. <laughs> so that's pretty much the cupcake story. 
now I know I should have put them in a muffin tin, but I didn't get good directions. <laughs> it is important so, to get all of the directions because even missing one little detail can throw it all off. And we can bring that to back to football. If you miss one little detail, you're done for. Maybe you can rally and do something different. But if you miss your blocker or you use the wrong pan to put your batter in, you could be in trouble. And maybe it'll sort of work out just on the way that you expected. <laughs> uh, I think about the Eagles with Carson Wentz getting injured and Nick Foles coming in. So Nick Foles is our is our cookie sheet. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm a big Nick Foles fan, and it wouldn't bother me at all to see him come back to the Eagles and be a backup. I wouldn't mind it either, but it is the city of Philadelphia. It is a tricky prop. So, Pat, before we go, I have one more question for you for myself. Uh, is there anything that okay. you would like to, to plug to sort of promote or, or, or to talk about? You know, I want to sort of like roll out the red carpet for you, if you will. Do you want to close well, us out with anything that you want to talk about? I'll just kind of close down with, I think the Eagles has hit rock bottom. And sometimes you need to hit rock bottom before you start to come back. And so I look for this coming year to be an improvement over last year because there's you can't really go down a whole lot further, but they are taking steps to reset. So I'm very hopeful that this is going to be the beginning of some really good years for the Eagles. And I, I'm encouraged whatever way that they go, that we're going to see a good season and get enthusiastic again. Well, one more time, Pat, thank you for so much for coming on to my podcast and talking Eagles and also humoring me with my mama's questions. I know she's going to love hearing this and the rest of my family as well. And we were so uh, hopeful and excited to see you again, uh, sometime in the future where, where things are a little bit safer and vaccines are further ahead and everything else? Well, it's just great to be here and to know I've had both of my vaccines. The second one was three weeks ago. So I'm ready for an invitation when anyone else feels safe enough to invite me. So I hope that means I'll be seeing you in the next year and I so look forward to it. Me as well, and you know my mom is listening, so mom you you know you can yeah, you can handle that uh i'm I can't open up my my parents' house uh myself because I don't live there anymore for 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 guests and such, so I'll get on my mom about that. We would love to see well, you um, again, and sorry, go ahead. I say her side might not be ready yet, but my side is ready, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on and can't wait to see you hopefully sometime in the near, near future. And I hope that you uh, feel comfortable coming on to the podcast again at some point to talk some more. Well, it's been really fun and give those babies a big hug for me. I can't wait to see them. Thank you so much, Pat. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. And I have one, one ending thing. <laughs> yes, what does the cow say?
Boo. She said, Ellie was, said boo. <laughs> Cute. Well, you have a good one. You too. Bye, Pat. Love you. Bye. Love you too. All right. See what I tell you? See what I told you? Uh-huh. Oh, it was so great to have Pat on. Pat, please come back. Please come back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on again at some point. Of course, there will be more Eagles news to talk about even as soon as tomorrow. I mean, hey, who knows when we're going to hear the big news about Carson Wentz being traded or Carson Wentz not being traded. We don't know. We have no idea if it's going to happen tomorrow or anything. But we, what we do know, or at least what we think we know, is that Carson Wentz will be traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. There's all kinds of reports coming out about it, so... We shall see. But as you heard in the interview, Pat and I both believe that Carson Wentz is going to be traded, probably going to be for the best. And there's a lot of question marks, but you got to have optimism going into a new season. And I think that there's there's always there's always something to be excited about. And I, I may not have said this as clearly as I want to say it now, but I am excited to see Jalen Hurts have an opportunity to play. Hopefully the offensive line will be better. Hopefully the offense as a whole will be better, and we'll see how the defense comes along. And with the new coaching staff, there's probably going to be some 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 rough patches with <laughs> adjustments and such. But hey, you gotta you gotta start off from a good spot when it comes to something that is totally out of out of your control. Because let's face it, as fans, we we don't really have much of a say in what exactly happens on the team, even if we'd like to think to. We do also have to acknowledge at the end of the day, it's not something that we can truly control, even if we want to. But I wanted to tease something before we go. I have a really exciting interview coming out tomorrow, so please come back for that. I am interviewing someone from the Melee community again, and I'm really excited to share it, so I'll tease it. Maybe I should do that in general. If I know that I have an interview coming up at the time that I release the podcast, I should say, by the way, I have yet another person from the Melee community on, or I have a family member coming on soon. I think I might need to start doing some more of that and also telling you, the listeners, to go to my Twitter and such, to go to the bottom of the Smash Mountain Twitter, since I'm active there and being all like, hey, I listen to the podcast or something. Also you suck or something anyway <laughs> whatever you want to say i guess you could just come on up and say it after all it's an open social media platform uh what did i just get myself into anyway hope you enjoy your morning slash day slash evening slash evening snack what does the cow say Moo. Moo. good job what does the kitty cat say Ow. good job what does the doggy say woof <laughs> woof Good job. Can you say linguistic specialist? Say. Good job. That was a good try. Can you say outside? Do you want to go outside? Okay. Okay. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.